0: You are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at Bethelcov.org. Thanks for listening. been having conversations with a, a number of, of people here at, at Bethel and um, a few different folks that were going to come up and share something um, from the stage for different reasons. And uh, this same topic just kept coming up in my conversations with others, and and the topic was was suffering, um, was trouble, <laughs> was what is it like, um, and how do we follow God faithfully through uh, pain and hardship and loss, and um, you know, and so we've, as we've been wrestling with these questions, you know, wh- where is God in suffering? Um, how can we be faithful to others in the middle of suffering, and what's our responsibility? to other people who are facing loss. And, and when, as a pastor, you hear uh, these same questions from people and these this desire um, to speak on a topic like this over and over again from different people um, in the church, we call that the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, we call that trying to listen to what God is doing. And so uh, to celebrate the, the beautiful days that we've been having um, this week, um, for the rest of the month, we're going to talk about suffering, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, You guys will all be back here next week for that, right? Um, And it's uncomfortable. Uh, and, And even for me, as I've been thinking about this series for a few months and And uh, this question is, how do we walk uh, through valleys? What does it mean when we're in the valleys? I, if I'm being honest, have been dreading it. uh, Because I don't think I'm the only one uh, that has a problem talking about this kind of stuff. Um, The reality is that even in the church, we often don't talk about suffering. Uh, We often don't talk about tragedy. We often don't talk about pain because it's uh, so uncomfortable. And it's really sad because... Um, if you're not going through something right now, um, you will, or you have, uh, or, uh, and what we're going to talk about today, you know somebody who's in the middle of something. And, and if you're like me, even, you don't really know what to do. Uh, you don't know what to say. Maybe you don't know uh, how to help, but we, we dread it. We avoid uh, talking about life's valleys because it hurts. I think um, it comes down to this. I think most of us, Um, have a problem with pain. Um, It's a physical reaction. I I chose that picture of that that poor little kid uh, crying because when I saw that, I immediately felt that emotion that that uh, child was having. It it bothers us when we see somebody hurting, when we know somebody's going through something. It raises our heart rate. Uh, We feel how wrong it is in our bones. I was uh, reading this uh, article and they talked about how that has to do with these things in our brain called mirror neurons uh, that are designed to teach us how to feel emotions even from when we're, when we're little. And we're, we're programmed, we're designed that when we see pain and hurt in others, it's supposed to hurt a little bit. It's supposed to uh, cause a little problem with us. Uh, everybody has this problem with with pain. And, and no matter how hard, um, and I don't know about you, no matter how hard we try to convince ourselves that Uh, loss and and suffering and pain are a part of life, are a normal part of life. Everybody experiences, no matter how hard we try uh, to convince ourselves of that, whenever pain comes, we find ourselves looking for the door, uh, looking for the escape hatch. Um, The other day, last Sunday, if you were here, you might remember you might have heard it we were out in the atrium uh, having treats and our little guy foster was um, doing something in here probably that he shouldn't have been doing i'm not sure what uh, but he fell and he hit his head and he just let out just the worst scream you know that scream cry thing if you know any toddlers you've heard <laughs> the scream cry and as he's losing it. I kind of, I run in here to get him, because as a parent, you know what your kids scream cry sounds like. Uh, And I scooped him up, and I was like, oh, buddy, buddy, it's okay. Talk to me. Calm down. Listen. Uh, You know what happened? I'm trying to get him to to talk. Hey, are you okay? Um, And as I'm saying that with my mouth, um, what I'm thinking is, Stop crying! <laughs> please stop crying! Stop crying! Uh, please, Foster, just just stop, stop crying. Um, and, and if I'm being honest, it's that that deep thing inside of us that you know when our child cries, we just want to make it stop. And and even if uh, what it takes is distracting them from the pain or uh, giving them something to eat or like even if it's something that's not that great for him, we'll do anything we can to to get him to to stop. We, we solve this problem. And I think um, in our own lives, because we have a problem with pain and when it comes to the pain of others, um, we are always trying to solve this problem. Uh, and so when it's us, um, when we're experiencing pain, we do whatever we can as quickly as we can to get over it, to get past it, to move on and get rid of it. And it's, it's incredibly difficult. Um, But it's even, uh, it's different in others. I think when we experience other people's pain, we do the exact same thing. Uh, Anybody that's ever uh, gone through something knows uh, how people try to do this stuff. Um, When you experience people that care about you, they come to you and they try and explain why this happened. Um, Especially, you know, you're going through something, you're dealing with an illness, or you lost your job, and people want to give you a reason why this happened. Oh, you know... Uh, that person, they wouldn't have got sick if they hadn't been eating that thing they weren't supposed to eat. Or, oh, you know, if we can just find the reason why we try and try and do that uh, to other people. Uh, sometimes we try and fix it. You know, we see our friend, our family member, the person we care about in pain, and we just want to do anything we can to fix it. So we sometimes we try to change the subject, or I'm going to cheer you up, and oh, let's go do something fun together. Um, other times, we offer helpful tips. Um, anybody that's ever gone through a prolonged uh, medical diagnosis knows that everybody you know has an idea <laughs> of how to fix the problem, right? Oh, have you tried this? And, and if you ask anybody that's gone through that, they have a list, pages long, of things that people have told them to try. Uh, and it's not that, you know, we're we're mean, or it's because we care, right? And when we see somebody suffering, we want to stop the suffering, want them to feel better. So we try uh, to fix the problem, offer helpful tips. Sometimes um, Christians use Bible verses like this one to try and help people feel better. We say, oh, I know you're going through this now, but God works all things for the good, right? Uh, And all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And so when we see somebody suffering, we see somebody struggling, we see somebody going through something, we hand them that. Um, so that we can take a a step away, so that we can say, okay, uh, you're okay. And it's just like me holding foster. Uh, The thing we're thinking, the thing we're trying to do, as much as we don't want to be, is is we're saying, stop crying. It's okay, stop crying, because your crying hurts me too, because we're uncomfortable with it. And and if you've never had that experience, I mean, I have all the time. You, you just want people to be better so you can, can feel a little bit better. And, and sadly, the last thing that we, we do sometimes when people are hurting in our lives, we, we're afraid of saying the wrong thing. We're afraid of making it worse. We're afraid of um, not helping. And so we just avoid Um, and people that go through things notice that there are are some people in their lives that stick around and some people that just suddenly disappear. And it's not out of meanness. It's not out of any animosity at all. It's just out of the reality that um, they're afraid to engage with pain. And so we take a step back. And and when it's you going through it, uh, you notice the people that all of a sudden just don't come by anymore, uh, that don't ask about what's going on and and while these uh, solutions they work okay, unfortunately, it's just like you know when I'm trying to calm Foster down for the sake of calming him down. It, it sometimes it hurts people, and sometimes it makes the suffering worse. And it might give us a chance to step away from their pain, but, but sometimes it, it makes it worse. And I find that often we'll do whatever it takes, even if it unintentionally harms somebody, to uh, get them to just just stop crying, just stop crying. It's, it's only natural because everybody has a problem with pain. Everybody has a problem with pain. But um, as, as Christians, as the church, um, you know, we, we have a couple of other things to keep in mind. You know, our, our Bible tells us, right, uh, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. Uh, our Bible tells us that if one part of our community suffers, every part suffers with it. Um, we're called uh, to something a little bit different than fixing, avoiding, and getting past the pain of people that are in our path. Um, being a, a disciple of Jesus means we don't respond always in, in the natural way. Um, where the natural way is to fix, to avoid, to step away, uh, to ignore. Um, following Jesus means we don't, we don't always do things in that natural way um, because Christians believe Uh, That when Jesus came and lived and died and rose again, uh, we believe that that changed everything. Um, We believe that his death and resurrection uh, literally uh, reset the direction of the world and started a whole new thing. Christians believe that we're not supposed to live our lives following after our natural impulses and comforts and the way the world uh, seems to work, but living instead according to a new way. Uh, One that often runs contrary to our feelings and to common sense. Um, So disciples ask, uh, if Jesus' life and death and resurrection changed the world, and those things change me, uh, how should it change how I live in the world? And I think, uh, as I've been wrestling with this and struggling with my own bad reactions, my own desire to push past the the pain of others, I think... um, when it comes to walking with, with others, our answer uh, is literally right in front of us at, at church. Um, and I think it comes down to what is one of the oldest practices in, in the Christian church. Um, as we worship together, there's, there's one thing today we do um, that would look familiar to the people that first followed Jesus. Um, There's one thing that we do in the church that um, would connect to them in ways that um, maybe nothing else has. You know, this thing is older than than Bibles. Uh, It's older than even the whole New Testament. Christians have been doing this thing before we've been reading uh, the New Testament together. Uh, Christians have been doing this thing before uh, we've ever done baby dedications. Um, Christians have been doing this thing before um, we had prayer times in the ways that we have prayer times uh, today. Um, and it's something that all, just about every Christian denomination, uh, just about every church in just about every place um, uh, throughout the whole history of the church have done this. And, it, and it's that. Uh, Christians have kept that thing, the table, uh, what we call the Lord's Supper, what we call communion at the very center of Christian worship uh, since basically the beginning, since, since Jesus. If there's one thing that connects us um, to those first disciples, uh, nothing connects us to them more than, than that table. Um, and I think it has everything to do with how we understand and respond to suffering in the lives of others. Um, in our text, uh, Paul Paul describes this practice, Um, and and he talks about it in such a way that they already sort of know. Um, He doesn't have to explain every part of this, because it's something that the church is already doing. Uh, he, He describes this practice. He says, what I received from the Lord, I passed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And and he's reminding them to think back to before Jesus faced the cross, he gathered in the upper room with his disciples and he shared a meal with them. And it says, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And because of that, because of uh, verse 24 and the practice of Christians throughout centuries, in a few moments today, uh, you're going to hold a, a little weird cracker <laughs> and you're going to hold it up and you're going to crack it and you're going to make this snapping sound um, because that's our way of saying that's, that's like the bread. Uh, that's our way of participating in the bread. Uh, and in the same way, Paul says after supper, Jesus took the cup uh, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And, and after we, we snap the little cracker together, and um, we eat it, and it doesn't really taste like anything. And you're like, what's the deal with this? Uh, we'll, we'll have the little cup of grape juice. And that little cup of grape juice, that plastic cup, you'll, you'll drink it, and you'll do that thing that we do at church where you'll find all your family members we will put all the cups in that same little thing, right? Um, and that's to remind us with that little tiny squirt of grape juice, it's to remind us of this cup, this cup that's the new covenant in my blood. He says, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And, and Paul, Paul finishes, he says, whenever you eat this bread, whenever you eat uh, that, that little cracker, and whenever you drink that little cup of grape juice that reminds you of the cup of wine that Jesus held on the night before he went to the cross, whenever you eat and drink those things, it says you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I think it's, it's amazing to me as, as, a, as a Christian, as a person that uh, despite our very real discomfort with pain and death and loss, Uh, Jesus took a practice that ends with proclaiming the Lord's death and put it right into the center of what it means to follow Jesus as a community. Uh, I think it's amazing that despite our discomfort with pain and suffering and death, uh, Jesus took that and he put it right in the middle of Christian worship. He commanded his disciples to practice this, to break the bread, which is his broken body, to drink the cup, which is his spilled blood. And Christians have done it throughout centuries so that we still do it together today, so that we break the little cracker, remembering that the people that have broken that cracker and eaten that bread long before us all the way up to Jesus standing uh, in the upper room before he faced the cross. And when we break the bread and when we drink the cup, we proclaim death. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Every time we come to the table, we look and we taste and we proclaim that death leads to resurrection. Because when Jesus went to the cross uh, and died and laid in the tomb, he came back from the dead and lived again. And Jesus and the very first Christians took his words and his death and said, This is at the center of worship. It's amazing to me who starts a religion with something like that in the middle of it. It's not an accident. Jesus is saying in the history of the church and the Holy Spirit is saying, don't look away from suffering. Come to the table of my suffering. By my wounds you are healed. And at the table, we remember that in his suffering and in his death, suffering and death have been defeated. When we eat that little tiny cracker and we drink that little tiny cup of grape juice or wine, depending upon what church you're at, we remember that in his suffering and death, suffering and death have been defeated. And that one day they'll be put away back into the box. Because of the resurrection, we remember his death until he comes again. And we don't have to be afraid to remember his death. We don't have to pretend that the death and the pain and the suffering doesn't happen because we know that resurrection is on the way. Because of his sacrifice, death is on the way out and we come to the table to wait together for the end of the story. The table is this amazing way of of keeping us coming back month after month, year after year so that we'll be here with him when his promises finally come true. And what happens, I think, uh, sometimes, and I I find this happening myself, I think um, because of our natural problem with pain and suffering in other people, um, our temptation, our biggest temptation, and my biggest temptation, especially as a pastor, is to uh, take these words, right, that suffering and death have been defeated, that resurrection is on the way, to take those good, true Bible verses and simply say them to people who are hurting, and walk away. Our temptation is to take this true and good thing and say it to someone who's hurting so that we can feel a little bit better and we hope maybe they'll feel a little bit better sometime. We're tempted to say these words when I think um, as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we remember that death leads to resurrection. What we're really intended to be doing is to believe them ourselves and then to live uh, like that's true. Uh, Because what I've been wrestling with this week is what if um, when our friend or our family member experienced something, went through something, instead of um, telling them that uh, death leads to resurrection, we loved them like God was going to work in that situation. What if we approached our friends and our family uh, who are suffering the same way we come to this table? What if we kept coming not to undo what happened or to, to fix the problem or to solve anything? but because we really believe that God is at work in the lives of hurting people. Because we really believe that resurrection is on the way for them. Because we really believe that this tragedy, whatever it is, is not the end. What if we refuse to look away from somebody's pain, refuse to justify it, refuse to explain it, or rationalize it. Instead, we sat down with them and waited for the resurrection waited for the healing to come, waited for help, waited with them till the end of the story. Because it, it's, it's easy to tell somebody all things work together for the good. It's easy to say, oh, suffering produces perseverance. It's, it's easy to say time heals all wounds. It's easy to say don't mourn like those without hope. It's easy to say God has a plan for you. It's easy to say resurrection and hope is on the way. It's easy to say it gets better. But what if instead of saying those things, we live them out with the hurting people in our lives? What if we were willing to sit with somebody until it all worked together for the good? What if we were willing to listen and check in and cry with them until God's plan played out? Until death and pain and sorrow yield to healing and resurrection? What if we proclaimed in our lives his death until he comes again? We will not always get it right. Uh, When it comes to people who are hurting and it comes to our own um, inability to uh, always do the right thing, we will not always get it right in the lives of people. But I think disciples of Jesus are uniquely positioned to offer comfort in hurting people because we know how the story ends. And so we don't have to be afraid of their pain. So my challenge uh, to to me and to all of you, um, come alongside those who hurt in your lives. Sit with them. Resist the urge to fix Listen, learn, cry, be patient, don't pretend you have the answers, be there, be patient, hear, and remember. And may we become known as people who walk to those who are hurting, who stand beside those who are in pain, who sit next to people that are struggling to move on and to move forward, who listen to and cry with, not because we ought to, not because uh, the Bible tells us to, or or your pastor said you you should, but because we really believe that in the lives of suffering and hurting people that God is on the way, and we want to be there when he shows up. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.